This podcast features adults using adult language, but you know, you got to grow up sometime. Hey everyone, you know what it's time for? Swan's Crossing! I was all set up to record from home this morning oh. for the first time, largely because I didn't want to come to the office today. And so I I have it set up where I can remote into my uh, my workstation. Sometime last night, the power went out here at the theater, so my computer had turned off. Oh no! Oh. So I had to I had to come in. Anyway, I'm sorry. How are you this morning? I'm, it's okay. I'm also very tired. I just didn't sleep well last night, so I'm ugh. terrible. But you know what? So. At least we got to watch a great episode of Swan's Crossing right here on Gotta Grow Up Sometime, a Swan's Crossing retrospective. And I'm Libby Grant. I'm Nathan Kessler Jeff. It's like we're trying to get to the episode this time as opposed to all the other times where we just <laughs> chat for 10 minutes. <laughs> I mean, unless you want to chat for 10 minutes, I'm down for that. Nope, nope. Listeners, we don't even like each other. <laughs> I have actually tried to murder Nathan on several occasions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is why, this is actually why we went back to recording on Riverside versus in person, was I was constantly afraid of being poisoned. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fair worry when you're, when you're dealing with me. None of this is going in the episode. Not as far as you know. Gosh, okay. Well, let's get into it. We watched episode 26, and here are your mm-hmm. predictions from last time. First of all, you predicted that we would pick up where we left off at the party. That was true. You said that kids would end up in the pool somehow. Also true. Good call. You thought that Neil would spill his drink on a nice dress. Probably Mila's. Sadly, that did not happen. There's not even any Neil in this episode. No, although he factors into it significantly. <laughs> there is very prominently no Neil. <laughs> I'm beginning to... Well, I have, I have some predictions about Neil. Uh, you predicted that Sandy would spend a lot of time figuring out how she's going to teach Mila to sing and would come to terms with Owen's decision to use Mila as a backup singer. No, that did not happen. You, not even close. You figured we would have a lot about the birth certificate, such as how Garrett got it and what this would mean for Sydney and Sandy. That did happen. You figured... Oh boy, did it ever. And I can't wait to talk about that section. Oh, it's going to be great. You figured uh, Sandy would not find out about the birth certificate, at least not yet. And that was correct. You said there would be more awkward flirting between between Callie and Jimmy at the dance. Not really. But other things happened with oh, Callie. No, no, no. They're what, right at the beginning. Right well, at the beginning. True. You're right. You're right. When he's, when he's going to get the going to get the drinks, I was like, this is so awkward. It, yeah, good call. Okay, I'm giving you that one. Uh, you thought that Sydney would confront her mother about the birth certificate and whether she was switched at birth. No, no Muffy in this one. And nope. you said nope. nothing would happen with the stage, and that was correct. Can we also, not only was there no Muffy in this one, 
There were no adults in this one. What are these teens doing having an unchaperoned dance at the Swans Club? Well, apparently their parents can call them at any time, so it doesn't really matter. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I take it back. I take it back. There is a DJ. That's right. Very briefly seen behind some other characters. Yes. Do you want to talk about the uh, thumbnail? I do. Let's talk about the thumbnail. Uh, In the shoutfactory.tv thumbnail of this episode sydney is sitting at the poolside table with her arms crossed and looking very grumpy garrett is standing next to her like a waiter explaining that it's his first day and that this jacket he's wearing is too big and that's why he spilled her entree behind them there's still awkward dancing in the background and the bushes along the side of the pool patio have been festooned with balloons (laughs) my assumption from this thumbnail was that sydney is pouting because she's no longer rich More or less correct. This was an episode that aired on a Monday. So uh, because of that, we start with a little replay of the moment where Garrett reveals the birth certificate and Sydney realizes what he's implying, that she has been switched at birth with Sandy Swan. We literally open on Garrett's finger pointing to the birthmark on the footprint on the birth certificate and then moving up to sydney's name it is so funny just in case you forgot what's going on here then we cross fade to elsewhere in the dance where saja coughs at the camera and where we see callie and jimmy being awkward among the awkward teen dancing and the too quiet music some cute flirting between the two of them he leaves for the drinks table three steps away i counted I'm going to go get us some drinks. And he walks three steps. It's pretty great. Uh, He stands next to Saja and Saja glances back into the general crowd. You can't really tell who he's looking at. And he says, our noble friend is rocking out tonight, which is maybe my favorite words that have ever been uttered on this show. Yep. He's, and I think then, he's talking about Callie, but I don't know. And That was my assumption as as well. And then suddenly... Jimmy spies Sophia leaning against what is either, (laughs) we find out later it's a DJ stand, but it could have been a DJ or a concession stand in in the moment, leaning against it in a slinky black number. He pops the drink cup he's been holding back on the table like he's no longer going to be grabbing beverage for Callie. Oh, this. He asks what she's doing here, and Sasha says, better question is, where's Edward? So... Apparently, Sophia has come to this dance specifically to hunt Jimmy down like some small, helpless prey animal. Even though she is dating Edward, and they are here on a date in the main dining room of the club, and apparently there's been much, much conversation in that household that Sophia is dating a college boy. Yes, Saja says the fact that she's dating a college boy makes him want to hurl, which, you know, good on you, Saja. That's the right instinct. No good ever comes of it when a college man wants to date a child who is still in high school. (laughs) But Libby, she's a junior. She has her own car. It's the one with the white walls. (laughs) Oh, that one. Pumps Saja for information uh, about Edward. There's not a whole lot he can tell him, but it's clear that, that Sophia has ditched this college man to come and find Jimmy. And Callie comes over to the boys Just as she does, she also spots Sophia strolling across the the dance toward them. I want to bring up a specific line of dialogue because I I rewatched it like three times trying to figure out what Saja was saying. Yeah. When Jimmy shows his interest in what Sophia is doing here, I believe what Saja says is, 
One who claims to have broken all ties suddenly shows his knots. And I swear it took me forever to figure out what he was saying. And then I was extremely disappointed that I had spent so long on it. Did you think he said shows his nuts? I don't, I could not tell what the last word was. It took me, it took me a, a long time to figure out what the words were. And then when I did, it took me uh, an equally long time to like parse the sentence. Like knots, like tying knots. He's suddenly so he hasn't broken all ties because he's got knots in the ties, and it, I I was like, this is such bad dialogue. It is, it is. There's some remarkably bad dialogue in this episode. Anyway, oh well, we we cut over to JT and Glory who are dancing together and being adorable, and they tango right past Sandy who's staring despondently into the middle distance until Nancy comes up and taps her on the shoulder. And at this moment, I said, as I was watching, I sent you a text. Yes. And it said something along the lines of, oh, thank God, Nancy's here to cheer Sandy up. Just what everyone needs. And Sandy responds as you would expect, where she goes, oh, hi, Nancy. (laughs) (laughs) Which is the correct response to Nancy showing up. Sydney asks Nancy if she knows where Owen is. Obviously she doesn't know, but but bam, instantly Mila's there. Yeah, Mila kind of like slinks up guiltily, I thought, and she's like, oh, I was just hanging out with Owen, like in the trophy room or whatever. She's like, he went home because he's so excited to start writing his new song. And Nancy yeah. says, oh, what's his new song going to be called? Space Hitter Comes Home Early Because He's Scared of Girls. <laughs> and then Mila says, that's kind of country. That's not really Owen's style. What? That's not country. It, no, it's not. But I will say that I, I, in my experience, country songs are allowed to have longer titles than literally any other songs. I mean, that is kind of true. I also would like to point out, just because I am a bit nerdy about this topic, these girls were living during the golden age of country music, late 80s, early 90s. So good. The only other era of music, in my opinion, that can beat it is late 60s through like mid 70s rock. Anyway, (laughs) after after that, country music became a steaming pile of shit. But during that one brief few span of years... It was truly excellent. You, Libby, you've just lost us so many listeners. <laughs> truly, truly appalling degradation of country music. There's a lot of crossover in the country music lovers, Swans Crossing lovers, Venn diagram. I'm sure. Well, listen, any true country fan knows that I'm right. Late 80s, early That's 90s, the only good era of country music. Bam. Anyway. All right. Mila says the real name of the song is Vision and Polka Dot Pink, <laughs> which coincidentally is what Mila is wearing. What a coincidence. S- Sandy in this episode gets to have her patented, like, jaw-dropped, like, upset response several times. She gives this helpless look out to the universe, like, dear God, what is going on? And it's really great. I love it. We cut to a stacked two-shot of Sydney with Garrett behind her. And she, it seems early on in this episode, like, she is really calling him out. She has the upper hand. She does not believe him about this birth certificate thing. Yeah, but he stands his ground, and he is so stoic and so insistent that it's not a joke, that by the end of this scene, Sydney has begun to look a little worried. Yeah, so we fade to commercial, uh, come back, theme song, and then we're right back with Sydney and Garrett. 
and Sydney has switched tactics from it being a joke to it being revenge. Garrett says, listen, I wouldn't shoot. She's basically like, this is not, there's no way this is true. You're just making up a stupid lie. And Garrett's like, I wouldn't try to destroy someone's whole life and their future if it weren't true. Now, let's put this into perspective. Garrett is attempting to destroy Sydney's identity, indeed her entire life, because he got grounded for four weeks and he's not even all the way grounded. He can go to dances. Yep. A little out of proportion is all I'm saying. I do appreciate that Sydney brings up that Jazz warned her that he'd be plotting revenge. Garrett points out that she and Sandy were both born on the same day in the same hospital, even in the same hour, and his logic is starting to get to Sydney. And he says, All newborns look alike, which I think might be racist. <laughs> it's definitely ageist. And and Sydney responds, It's pathetic. Babies don't get switched in hospitals. And Garrett has this really wonderful, like, smile pass across his face, and he goes, oh, but they do. It does happen, and unfortunately, it happened to you. And Cindy responds, it did not. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I really like how much this argument truly feels like it's happening between (laughs) 14-year-olds. It did not. Garrett says, uh, think of it. You could have lived your whole life without knowing the truth. And then Sandy tries, or Sydney tries to get him to give her the birth certificate. And he points out that Sandy will find the birth certificate useful since now her life is going to get a lot better. As if, like, even if two kids were switched at birth, you wouldn't just deposit them in one another's present lives to, like, assume their respective roles. <laughs> Sydney could be smarter than this. You will now be raised by the Rutledges, Sandy. That's so ridiculous. And this is, we're going to come back to this this in a minute because the argument is essentially it's phony give it to me why would i give it to you if it's phony i want it because literally this scene is repeated about five minutes later in the episode indeed it is you'll get sick of it by the end but for now we cut over to jt and glory jt's hands are all sweaty and he looks around for neil and glory looks like she wants to kick him in the nuts for wanting neil at a time like this but he wants neil because neil always has an extra handkerchief and literally my notes say it's not that big a deal to have sweaty hands jt Oh, hey, Swannies. It's me, Libby. Hey, you know, uh, we had a little bit of a technical malfunction and we lost a little line of dialogue where I said that uh, JT should just wipe his hands on his pants like everybody else does because pants are like aprons for your legs. But that audio got lost somehow. I don't know what happened. These are the kinds of high production values you've come to expect from Gotta Grow Up Sometime. So uh, now with that explanation inserted into this recording, back to the rest of the show. <laughs> that is a fantastic slow slogan for Levi's. Levi's. <laughs> Aprons for your legs. That might be our episode title. We'll see. <laughs> I love it. I love it when the episode title has nothing to do with the episode. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Glory calls him out for not having the kerchief she gave him, but then he pulls it from his pocket to show her that he does have it. He just doesn't want to wipe his gross sweat on it because it's too special. And then without wiping his gross sweat all over it, he puts it back in the jacket. They have this cute moment when the loudspeaker comes on, paging Neil Atwater. It's your mother on the phone. (laughs) 
And then JT and Glory immediately start mocking Neil. Neil, it's time for milk and cookies. It's <laughs> so good. They keep paging Neil over the loudspeaker. They look, and Glory and JT look around. Neil is nowhere to be seen. Glory suggests he got bored and went home because he hates parties and joy and love. And uh, he <laughs> JT disagrees because he thinks Neil wouldn't have gone without letting JT know. Hey, babe, babe, I'm going to leave this party. Is that fine with you? (laughs) Yeah, catch you later, Buckyball. All right. (laughs) So we're back at the snacks table where Sophia says to Saja that that black and red fish was so salty, I need a drink. It was not the black and red fish that was salty. That's not what it was. (laughs) Maybe black and red fish is her code word for a particular act. (laughs) All I'm saying is Edward's not here because Edward's recovering. (laughs) Sophia's on to greener pastures. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, anyway, uh, she and Saja start speaking Chinese to each other, and the camera zooms in on Callie. Callie tells Jimmy that Sophia said that Jimmy would be getting rid of the child he came with now that she has arrived. Jimmy seems appropriately stunned by the discovery that Callie can speak Mandarin. And I really do, I really do have to say, did you ever have those friends in high school who spoke another language and would do it to annoy everyone around them? Because that's what this feels like. No, I mean, I, my friend Devin speaks a number of languages. She's incredible with languages, but she was never a jerk about it. <laughs> so. No, like I had, I had friends, I had friends in high school who would literally, when they wanted to have a private conversation in the middle of the group, would just start speaking in another language to each other. It was profoundly irritating. It is pretty irritating. It it sucks. Yeah. Uh, Cut over to JT on the brick phone with Mrs. Atwater. He doesn't know why Neil didn't call in. He and J, he and Neil both know the house rules. Maybe Neil just forgot to call. You know how he is. It's a one, like, we don't hear Mrs. Atwater's side of the conversation at all. It's just JT sort of interpreting what she says for the viewer. Mm-hmm. But JT promises to go find Neil, and then he's going to call Mrs. Atwater back personally, and he and Glory go off to search for Neil. Yes, uh, and then vaporize him, as JT threatens to do. <laughs> we cut to Nancy, Mila, and Sandy. Mila is expounding in excruciating detail how they came up with the rhyme scheme for vision and polka dot pink. It's so bad. They were trying to figure out something that rhymed with polka. And Mila said, I love your mocha lips. They taste better than chocolate chips. And that inspired Owen so strongly that he has decided to use those lyrics to create a whole new song. And And in the midst of this story, we cut to Sandy. Well, no, no, no. Nancy has some glorious zingers in this scene, including... Has anyone notified the Grammy people yet? I love Nancy in this episode. She's evil, of course, but it's a welcome evil. Mila gets paged for a telephone call in the trophy room, and Nancy is suddenly delighted. (laughs) She goes, it's them. They're calling. The Grammy people, I assume. <laughs> I think it's the Grammy people. I just also have to note that while Mila is is describing her incredible lyrics, we get this shot of Sandy where she kind of rubs her forehead and gives this look like, oh boy, that is a staving pile of horse shit under the guise of some actual words. And I just really related to Sandy in this moment because I have felt that way now and then about other people's yep. writing. <laughs> yep. I, and Mila, as Mila takes off, Nancy leans over to Sandy and goes... Gee, I wonder, Sandy, will anyone be paging you? <laughs> Why is she like this? Twist the knife. I love She's it. Just the cruelest, the most needlessly evil character oh my gosh. in the history of fiction. I love Nancy. Sandy, Sandy has just been utterly humiliated in her 
uh, preparing for this dance with Sydney. Owen has essentially forsaken her for Mila, and now she's hanging out with Nancy. Like, it's just, ooh, oh man. So we, we do cut to Sydney with her arms crossed at the table, Garrett in his slightly too big jacket waiting to take her order. Oh, wait. No, that's not what's happening. No, instead he is taunting her about her new life as Sandy Swan. He points out, you'll have Owen as your best friend forever and ever and ever. I like that that's the greatest threat in Swan's Crossing is being BFFs with Owen. I also want to point out that the awkward dancing is still going on behind them, except now it's Saja and Callie. And Sophia and Jimmy seem to be talking to each other, leaning against the snack table. Which makes me realize that these scenes were filmed out of sequence. Ah, they were. Oh my yep. god. Um, some other things that are going to be highlights of Sandy's new life or of Sydney's new life as Sandy Swan include uh, she's never going to have to complain because her Mercedes is in the shop. She'll never have to think about what she's going to wear, and she will learn the joys of public transportation. <laughs> you'll pro- you probably don't know how to ride a bus, but you'll learn, Sandy, my dear. <laughs> Well, we cut to a commercial, then when we come back, we see Callie and Jimmy again. Jimmy asks how she could understand what Sophia and Saja were saying, and Callie says she lived in Shanghai and Tokyo from 84 to 88. Huh. I just lived in Idaho all that time. I I was moving all over the... Actually, I think I was in Colorado for most of that. Callie goes on to say that we learned a lot, my dad and I. And I was, and I was wondering... Okay, 84 to 88. How long has her mom been dead or gone? Yeah, I guess for a long time. Well, as we know, since now this, this episode is going to air after our interview with Stacey Mosley. So now we all know, Swannies, that there was going to be a storyline in season two, the season two we never got, where Callie's father engendered an evil half-sister for Callie during those years somewhere in Asia. Though... Now that I think about it, the evil sister would have been much younger than Callie. So, like, assuming she's the same age as Sydney, she would have been about six when she arrived in Shanghai and or Tokyo. And then she would have been around seven when her evil half-sister was born. So I'm not how this would actually work out logistically. So, because we know Stacey Mosley was going to play her own evil half-sister from Shanghai. But if Callie's 14 in this show, their evil half-sister would be seven? Or eight, at most? Well, maybe Captain Walker visited Shanghai when Callie was a baby. He did some extensive he, international traveling, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and then he stayed there from 84 to 88 he, so that he could visit his evil daughter during that He got time. the salty black and red fish, if you know what I mean. It's going to be so hard to pick a title for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. Anyway, Jimmy turns around and confronts Sophia, telling her that Callie understood all the shitty things she was saying. And, you know, good on him. That's the right response. Yes, but here's the thing. So- Sophie... Sophia starts, like, angling to get Callie and Saja to, like, go off and dance. Saja is obviously resistant to this, like, fiercely so. But Sophia never seems to really deal with the fact that Callie understood what she said. And uh, neither really does Jimmy. Like, it's just sort of dropped. As things are in this show. So, um, But she does eventually bully Saja into half-heartedly asking Callie to dance. And then for some reason, Callie accepts this and just, like, seeds her ground, which is so unlike Callie. And she stalks off with Saja, leaving Jimmy alone with the Spider Queen. Yeah. At, at which point, Sophia says, Penny, for your thoughts? Jimmy responds, my thoughts aren't for sale. 
<laughs> nice, Jimmy. Uh, she tries to get him to talk to her, but he's reluctant. And all he'll really say was that she wasn't very nice. To which she responds, I'm not a nice person. I thought that's what you like about me. And his response back is, it's been so long. I don't know what I liked about you. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> Does anyone like not being nice in another human being? Unless, is this another one of Sophia's poorly executed sexual innuendos? Like, her innuendo game is weird. It is not It is not as good as it has been. Well, there's no cars in this scene for her to, you know, talk about revving. And all she's, all she's got is... Sophia, it all falls apart when she's not around a car. That's true. That's true. Fortunately, we cut away from this to JT and Glory as the sax music sweeps in. Oh, yeah. Glory says, it's nicer here. They've been in the same room all night. And JT says, where? And that's a legitimate question. It's the same room. It it is like on the other side of the pool, which is about 10 feet to a side. So, you know. (laughs) But before Glory can make any kind of answer, she attempts to kiss him. And yet... Before their lips can touch, once more, Neil manages to cock-block them without even being present. He's paged again over the loudspeaker, and the kiss dies before it's, it's born. It's so sad. So sad. But this, it is. But this time, JT's also being paged. And he says, Ram Cram, I almost forgot. I didn't call Mrs. Atwater back. How long have they been looking for Neil? This has been, in showtime, this has been two minutes. Like, if even that. Oh my gosh. Also, Ram Cram is going to be my new catchphrase. I'm going to say in every instance of mild peril. (laughs) It it is a great catchphrase specifically for mild peril. Oh, Ram Cram, the roads are really wet. (laughs) Ram Cram, my ferry's delayed. (laughs) JT and Glory decide to really start looking for Neil instead of screwing around being horny together. And Glory asks if he's worried. And JT admits that he is actually starting to starting to get a little worried because Neil always tells him what's going mm-hmm. on. And so they they start searching. Um, and we cut over to Mila, who's coming back and approaching Sydney and Nancy. And Mila says, guess who called? And Nancy responds, CBS Records. Dan Quayle? Hey, <laughs> Libby, you remember Dan Quayle? Yeah, you remember when Dan Quayle could just be the punchline to literally any joke? Hey, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was, man, those were good times, huh? Yeah, back when Republican politicians were just bumbling nerds instead of insurrectionists who were attempting to overthrow democracy from within. Good I times. those days. You know, when we, Me too. when we were relatively, as a country, on the same page about having a democracy. Oh my god, uh, anyway... <laughs> This has been Political Hour. We've got to grow up sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, Owen called. He wants to meet at the studio. He left left the party, went to the studio, and immediately called Mila to come to the studio right away to help with the new lyrics. And Sandy's jaw just drops. Oh, poor Sandy! Mila kind of talks about how, yeah, she's totally going to leave the party to go to the studio because this is the first time anyone cares about what she thinks or says instead of what she looks like. And I hate to break it to you, Mila, but Owen only cares about what you look like. Yep. Furthermore, what you actually look like isn't even good enough for him. He has to fantasize you into a sparkly peach dress with a princess crown. Yep. Yep. And this is the moment at which I noticed that there was a DJ behind these characters. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> So as Mila is waxing ecstatic about how much she loves this totally new experience, Nancy mutters to Sandy, you know what that means? And Sandy nods resolutely and slowly. And Nancy says to Sandy, want to punch? <laughs> Which I think maybe she wants to punch Owen. Yep. <laughs> Sandy's response is, no thanks. 
I've had about as much as I can take, you know, oh. because punch. Yeah, uh, right? Sandy flees, leaving the camera lingering on Nancy's face, which seems as concerned as Nancy gets. Oh, so we cut to JT on the phone again with Mrs. Atwater. He has no explanation for why Neil hasn't shown up, and it soon becomes clear that Mrs. Atwater is going to cut funding to their rocket project if Neil doesn't turn up soon. Yeah, uh, instead of springing into action to find Neil, JT literally just looks depressed and doesn't move. Good plan, JT. From there, we cut to a swan basket on the food table. A hand dips into the swan basket and lifts some item of food, which I can't tell what it is, out, <laughs> lifts into the air, and we see that it is Garrett's hand, and he contemplates the item of food in his fingers for an uncomfortably long moment. He does seem extremely pleased with himself. Uh, and Sandy comes up, and they literally play the same scene over. Yeah, Sydney, not Sandy, Sorry. but now we're getting confused for good reason. Yeah. Who's who? Yeah, who is who? Who is, I don't even know anymore, Libby. I can't tell them apart. Oh my gosh. So you're, we've talked about this several times on the podcast. You're a professional word person. Yes. Do you feel they're writing the same, <laughs> the same scene multiple times in the same episode is an effective way of getting your point across? Uh, no, I do not. Okay. Thank you for, thank you for the opportunity to address I this. <laughs> I appreciate your candor. Uh, thank you for being here on our podcast. You're welcome. Oh my gosh. Um, the only the only thing of note in this scene is that uh, you can tell that Sydney is actually kind of starting to believe it now, especially because Garrett mentions that this is the only record of her birth since all the other records have been lost. And he so Sydney says, "No one will believe you." And he says, "Well, I've got proof. Where's yours?" Sydney so, looks right down the barrel of the camera as we go to commercial. <laughs> Boy, she sure does. Oh. Sorry, go Nan ahead. We cut back and Nancy is following Sandy as she stalks around the pool. I <laughs> thought Sandy was leaving, but apparently not. <laughs> Sandy's going on about how she can't believe Owen wrote a song for Mila because Sandy's his partner. Nancy tries to cheer her up by telling him that Mila's too tall for him. And that's <laughs> stupid. And Sandy knows it. And then uh, Nancy says... Who can resist Mila? She seems to be on everybody's plate. And Sandy's like, why does she have to be on my plate? Nancy keeps trying to convince her that it doesn't matter. She can't be... <laughs> the last the last line she says is, you can't be depressed and wear a dress that doesn't fit right. It's too unattractive. And then she just walks, walks away. off in a classic Nancy mic drop. So good. Oh, Nancy. Oh, my God. Wow. Wow, Nancy. Anyway, uh, we cut to a shot of Sophia and Jimmy dancing in each other's arms. Very close. They're all up yeah, in each other's business. They are definitely pressing all their parts they together. They are not leaving some room for the Holy Spirit. My goodness, no. Uh, then we cut over to Callie and Saja. Callie breaks away from him. Saja tries to cheer her up, but she's too bummed she's out. She's just been the victim of a classic mid-dance dump. <sighs> what is she going to do? So sad, man. I've been there, girl. Saja starts telling stories about what a piece of shit Sophia has always been, including taking apart his Lego castle to make paperweights for her desk, even though she didn't have a desk. That is actually one of my favorite bits in this episode. <laughs> it's, it's a good line. <laughs> uh, she took his bike on Christmas morning and never brought it back. She only wants things because she can't have them. She's bored and you have them. Jeez, Sophia, get a hobby. Learn how to knit, girl. Come um, on. Do you do you know what his last? I I listened to this several times. 
I have no idea what his last line is. I had to like really crank the volume up and put my ear close to it to figure out what it was. But yeah, so Callie says no one owns anyone. And then Saja replies with, as the ridgepole reaches the breaking point, it furthers someone to have some place to go, which is a strange butchery of one of the lines from the I Ching. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's where that came from. I actually had to look it up, too, because I was like, what does that even mean? It doesn't make sense. Is this an actual saying? So I typed it in. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's one of the hexagrams from the I Ching. Okay. Which sort of sort of makes sense for Saja's personality. All right. So Callie heads out. With that glorious piece of wisdom ringing in her ears, Callie heads <laughs> out. And yeah. Jimmy and Sophia watch her go. This made me so sad. Oh, it is really sad. Like. I, I like Sophia's evil as much as the next person, but I don't want it to come at Callie's expense. It can come at literally anyone else's expense. That's right. Stay away from our queen, Callie. That's right. Uh, JT and Glory are still trying to find Neil. He lists off everywhere they've checked, including the men's locker room. And for some reason, Glory seems astounded that JT would look there. Why? It's a great question. Um, <laughs> my favorite... My favorite thing about this, he lists off all these places. He says, we've got no place and where else to look. And I immediately thought, but Salon's Crossing is the only place left. <laughs> uh, but JT is now really worried about Neil, though he won't tell Neil's mom that, that he's actually gone. And then somehow the conversation takes a singularly horny turn. Oh. The sexy sax music is back and JT says, would you like me to teach you about astrophysics? And they, Glory pulls him into like the changing areas off of the pool, at which point we find out that the changing rooms do not have curtains between them. Which <laughs> I was very excited to learn. What is going on in these changing rooms? And then they start, quote, teaching each other about astrophysics and gardening. And just essentially saying words associated with those two topics that begin with the same letter. And literally my notes say, this is stupid. Eventually this intense interplay becomes too erotically charged for them to stand any longer. They once more attempt to kiss, only to be interrupted yet again by Neil being paid. Yeah, and at this point, I'm just like, JT, bud, let that funding go. Let it go. Just Yeah. What do you want more? Do you want to fund UB2B or do you want to, you know. <laughs> do you want to fund UB2B? Sorry, we come back to Sydney and Garrett. Sydney is clutching the back of a chair in an iron-fisted grip as G Garrett saunters over holding a deflated swan. It's like it's prey he is slain. It is so, I love the, the metaphor of the deflated swan in this scene so much. It's so obvious. I love he, it. I love he it. He drapes the deflated swan on Sydney's shoulder. She essentially begs him to wait on telling people the news, and he offers to give her a few days, then a week, some time to let it sink in. Yes, and the words sink in give her an idea, and she shoves him into the pool, and we freeze for credits on Sydney's happy, gloating grin. This was a beautiful episode. Wasn't it great? There was so much happening. It was action-packed. I love an action-packed episode. It really felt... This was more like a Friday episode to me than than the previous Friday episode. But you know what? I'm glad, I'm glad we got it back on a Monday. 
You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. You know, from here on out, there aren't a lot of slow episodes left. There's there's a pretty good action in all of them. It gets pretty intense. Well, I mean, we're we're just I mean, we're we're about a third of the way through at this point, right? Yeah, yeah a little more yeah, than a third of the way through. So it took them a while to get there, but they they're did. with us. So, listeners. who is our psychopath of the week? Oh, definitely tough choice. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, Garrett definitely I think has a run uh, run for the money there. Yeah, no, I think it's Garrett. I don't think Sophia quite makes it to Psychopath of the Week this week. Yeah, I was I was leaning maybe towards Nancy because she's just so dogged and torturing Sandy for no good reason. But I think Garrett is a little more psychopathic. Yeah, I, I have to agree. Uh, six new fake swans this episode. We had the, the floaty swan in the credits. We had the floaty swan in the pool scene. We had two swans on the basket. The swan on the birth certificate and the deflated swan. Springs are quite our running count to two imaginary swans, 24 actual swans, and 78 other swans in 26 episodes. Wow. Holy shit. That's a lot of swans. swans. Okay. Well, I'm going to mute my mic and you can lay your predictions on me. I believe that Neil has been captured by either the Baldies, the FBI guys, or Barrick. I hope it's not Barrick. It might be Jazz. <laughs> I think in the next episode, we are still at the Swans Club, and there's a big pool fight with lots of people getting into the pool. We do end up leaving the Swans Club next episode and hopefully get a little bit of what's going on with Callie since she left. I think we'll probably get some writing time with Mila and Owen at the studio. I think Sandy will come to the studio entering through some unknown door. What else? I think we'll probably have another conversation between Garrett and the new, the new Grant Booth about why he got pushed into the pool on the one night that he was allowed to break his grounded status. And that's it. That's what I got. Okay. All right. Excellent. Well, uh, great predictions. And I'm excited to see what happens next week with all this intense drama wrapping up. And uh, yeah, that's that's when we will meet again, my friends, for more adventures in this unknown, unnamed, not unnamed, this <laughs> unknown, named. this unknown, locationless New England town. Speaking of the name, I think, I think the DJ's name has to be DJ Swan. Am I not correct? I mean, or some spin on it, like spin, get it, DJ? No, nice. Some, some spin on Swan, like DJ Signet or something. I love that. I love it. Oh, yeah. Thank you to Richard Winsler and Steve Lane for the use of our theme song, Gotta Grow Up Sometime, from the hit show, Swan's Crossing. And if you want to find us on social media, we're on Twitter at Gotta Grow Up Pod and on Instagram at Swan's Cross Pod. And until we meet again, my friends, uh, do you have one for this one, Nathan? Until we meet again, my friends, may all your black and red fish not be too salty. <laughs> Paging Neil Atwater. Neil Atwater, please call your mother. (laughs) Neil! Oh, Neil, it's your mommy calling! It's time for milk and cookies!